The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And so welcome everybody, all you intentional spirits out there on a conscious level and those of you that are seeking to know on a deeper level what it truly means to be intentional. We're always creating our lives, participating in co-creating our, our health, our well-being, our joy. And yet something very powerful about the awareness of being involved and being evolved as we, as we move along. I'm very excited about my guest today, it's Dr. Elaine Ferguson. She is the author of the book, Super Healing, Engaging Your Mind, Body, and Spirit to Create Optimal Health and Well-Being. Dr. Elaine, welcome to our show today. Well, thank you for having me, Reverend Temple. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Well, I don't, uh, are you familiar with the uh, philosophy and the uh, fundamental beginnings of unity? Oh, absolutely I am. Yes, I learned about unity when I was a child, and I read numerous unity books over the year. years. Catherine Ponder, uh, Joseph Murphy, just many, many books, and I've attended many unity services over the years as well. Well, what I was thinking is how uh, you and Myrtle Fillmore could have many, many great conversations um, over tea uh, because that is, you know, she had yeah. that bravery and courage in the late 1800s to say, I am a child of God and therefore I do not have to inherit disease. And she had been told all her life, you're going to die from tuberculosis. Your family had it, you have it, and, you know, good luck with that. And she was a person that said, this does not have to be true. And she also doubled, she not only totally healed herself, but she doubled her life expectancy. So anyway, just a, a, a real... A clear connection with with what you speak about. Tell us about you, uh, Doctor Elaine. How did you get on this track of believing what you do about health and well being? Well, Reverend Temple, I decided at a very young age, I was around 10, that I wanted to be a doctor because I believed that being a doctor meant helping people to improve their health. And uh, when I got to medical school at Duke University, I was waiting for the health class, and it never happened. And it was so focused on disease and treating diseases through drugs and surgery primarily. And when I made it to the wards during my second years and started seeing patients, I, I noticed that they were you know, there were significant emotional issues, not psychiatric, but it seemed that people were depressed or anxious. And I wondered if 
what came first, if the disease came first or the depression followed it or if it came before, and there, there was none of that. <laughs> I was told there were seven psychosomatic illnesses and that was it. The, our thoughts, feelings, and emotions played no role whatsoever in our health, and I felt, mm-mm, that's not true to me <laughs> or for me. And after I began practicing, I quickly realized, Reverend Temple, that I was not going to be a happy camper just focusing on recommending drugs and surgery. So around the same time, I had become a vegetarian, and I noticed the health benefits that I was reaping from, from that type of diet. And I just began exploring other forms of healing and uh I came to see quite quickly that our mind, body, and spirit play a very important role in our health and well-being, and it's not just about fixing the physical body or taking care of that, but we have to take care of our emotions and our spiritual uh, side as well. So that's kind of how I got started in a nutshell. Um, I'm very curious, and I, I know that there's so much, you know, for you to share with us today that the hour is going to go by <laughs> so quick. Quickly, yeah. But one of the things I, I wanted to ask you, because I'm, I'm pretty much vegan myself, and I, I wanted to ask you, um, was there a particular reason that led you in that direction? No, I, I was never a big meat eater, quite honestly, as a child. And I went on a fast, um, I think it was the, the beginning of my, the, around Christmas of my junior year, anticipating going home and picking out, basically. And I uh, just wanted to lose a few pounds before I got home. And when after I came off the fast, I literally had no taste for meat. So that's really how I got into uh, becoming a vegetarian. That's kind of how my path happened, too, is that I um, I just got tired of meat and the idea of meat, and we had a dairy farm, and so I felt like I had some kind of relationship with the cattle, you know. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Something's wrong with this. And, um, and then I just, uh, when I got into a, a deeper part of spirituality and having lighter energy, I just yeah. realized how heavy I always felt when I had animal protein. And yeah. uh, and then, of course, you know, the Fillmores were total dedicated uh, vegetarians uh, throughout most of their adult lives. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people gloss over that in the Unity teachings, but that was, to me, one of the highlights of of how they practiced and how they lived is that uh, they believe that, you know, animal protein carried a certain energy or a certain vibra- uh, vibration with it. Sure. I didn't know that, so thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, yeah. You can read a lot of literature uh, that uh, Charles Fillmore wrote on the necessity of being vegetarian at, at Unity Institute. They provide a lot of uh, vegetarian uh, alternatives in the cafe. They were very strong about it. I mean, like, very strong. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but, it's kind uh, of like, it sounds very similar to the Seventh-day Adventists, and there's out at Loma Linda in uh, California, they have a lot of research on the health benefits of, of the vegetarian lifestyle. It has such uh, long-term benefits, you know. That yes. that's sure. One of the things that I uh, that I find interesting, and someone pointed this out to me one time, is that most uh, little children 
um, innately, like you said, and naturally don't want to eat animals or mm. fish. Most mm-hmm. children don't. They'll say, um, Mommy, I don't want to eat the duck. Mm-hmm. Um, or Daddy, I don't want to eat the cow. But as mm-hmm. adults, or as we move from our teenage years, we call it fancy words that take away from what's really happening. We say mm-hmm. filet. We yeah. say um, a slice of. We say uh, the breast of. We don't say the cow, the duck, the chicken, the goat, the lamb. We call yeah, it venison. Point. We call it venison. We don't say, oh, the deer, like the deer, you know, roaming the grounds. So I find that interesting that um, we've taken the safe approach, that we don't have to intellectualize what it really is. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't originate it, but I've certainly shared it ever since because I thought that is so powerful and so, so valid. So here you are. You're in the search of... Uh, of, of being in the in the medical um, field, and you go. When do we get to the good part? <laughs> when do we get it to do? Never happened. I was so it, disappointed. Yeah. When do we get into uh, you know fixing the? Uh, it's kind of like the uh, lawyer. I interviewed an attorney uh, not too long ago that was so excited about uh, law school, and um, you know she was basically told if you are here for the morality of law you're in the wrong place and um you know it's not really the feels for you (laughs) so i imagine that you had that defining crossroads for yourself okay if i'm here for the believability that optimum health is is available this is not going to be the path in which i'm going to get to focus on that a lot Absolutely, and in addition to that, Reverend Temple, we were taught to basically be inhumane towards our patients, which I had a serious problem with. We were taught to be distant and quote-unquote objective, and you weren't supposed to be compassionate or kind. I I just could not believe that that was the focus of patient engagement, but fortunately that is changing from what I understand that medical students, many medical institutions across the country now are learning learning how to really listen to their patients and how to communicate with them in a much more humane and compassionate way. But that was definitely not on the, on the table or part of my education when I was in medical school. Well, do you have a, uh, a medical practice where you teach various alternatives? I know that you practiced in Chicago for for a long time, uh, but to kind of paint the image, uh, you're, you're uh, specializing in holistic medicine, is that correct? Yes, I've specialized in holistic medicine for, for almost 30 years uh, in my practice. I only practice on a part-time basis now. I have another day job, if you will. But uh, I do, I, you know, when the Internet came along, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it in terms of its potential until about six or seven years ago. So I've really spent a lot of time developing uh programs and products to help empower people, to inspire them, to give them the 
tools and techniques that they can use to create health on their own. I, I, I get much more pleasure out of educating and informing people than I do treating because treatment implies that something outside of ourselves can, can repair us, where the fact of the matter is, is that our body heals itself and we can do many things to help that process along. So that's, that's basically where I am right now. Well, I found, and I, I, um, I'm writing about this in a book I'm currently um, uh, creating, or it's creating me, you know how that is, but I, I talk about, you know, how we are, we become robotic in nature, and, and one of the things is how I remember as a little girl being in the Ford Galaxy with my grandparents, me seated in the back, going to the doctor's office, and they were saying, uh, I wonder what Dr. Sewell is going to say about how we're doing. And then they would go see Dr. Sewell. We'd put, you know, many hours into it. And then on the way home, they would say, Dr. Sewell says this. You know, like Dr. Sewell was the God of their life. And they yeah. believed verbatim everything that was said. And so we are like programmed. We're like robotic. Like, well, because this was said to me, this is how it's going to be. And I found that in my own family system. You know, um, I told this one Sunday about how, you know, I, um, the first few times I sneezed, you know, people in my family immediately started telling me, oh, you probably have asthma like your grandmother. If you don't have it already, you probably will. And then, um, you know, when I had uh, problems um, as a a young girl, oh, you're probably going to wind up, you know, like your aunt and have to have a hysterectomy when you're really, really young. I don't even know what that word is. You're like, what? You know, who am I? You know, like a car? I mean, you're just taking away my parts left, right, and up the middle. So I was like, what the heck is this? So, um, what is that about, um, Dr. Elaine? Why do we, um, why do we automatically believe that just because our parents and our aunts had things that we're going to have it too? That's a great question, Reverend Temple. And it's so important. I'm so glad you raised that as an issue. You know, we, when I was in my training, we were taught that family history was very important in terms of our patients' uh, likelihood of developing disease from a genetic basis. But fortunately, we know now, as you mentioned, a lot of it is based on the environment that we live in and what we hear about our possibilities of developing these diseases. We know now, based on some really remarkable medical research, that our genes, are we are not prisoners of our genes. Our genes are not our destiny. And how we think, how we feel, how we live, the term is called scientifically epigenetics. But it just means that we have the capacity through our lifestyles and our emotional lifestyle is most important in terms of making, uh, determining our likelihood of developing diseases that were once believed to be, you know, very much inheritable. And I'm talking about the chronic diseases such as heart disease, diabetes, cancer, etc. Those, those are not our destiny. They're basically due to the way that we live and the way that we deal with stress. So that's that's a great uh, a great question. And the other thing that I want to say is, 
you know, you mentioned the belief that the doctor said so, so it's true. Um, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy for so many of us because of the power of our mind. Most people don't know that in medicine, whenever a new drug is tested, is tested, the FDA requires that it's tested against a placebo, which is an inert pill that has no therapeutic value whatsoever, to see what the real ability is of a drug because the mind is so powerful people convince themselves that a placebo will help them and they get better and most people aren't aware that that's the case for all drugs they have to be tested against the placebo to see what their true chemical and physiological capacity is because the mind is so strong that it that we actually get better based on our belief that's amazing, isn't it? And that's what amazes me is why more people don't have this information. We have more information than we've ever had, and we still have this missing connection of, oh, that it actually implies to each and every one of us. Absolutely. That's why I wrote Super Healing. That's why I feel so passionate about sharing this information with people. We have such a magnificent and amazing body. And when you really look at it, it is just breathtaking. I was awestruck during my my first few days in medical school learning what I did because it is just magnificent, but we don't think of our bodies in those terms. We normally think about what's not working or what's wrong or what's going to happen. We worry about it, but we don't appreciate it in terms of what it does for us. And we don't often or don't usually aren't aware of the power that we have to create our health and well-being. Well, I am just so grateful that you have this book out and that uh, it's going to be introduced in a large way out into the world. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today to Dr. Elaine Ferguson. You can go to her website, DrElaine.com, and you can find out a lot more about her work. And also, I would urge you, as a must-have, to get this book to share with your family and friends of other possibilities how you too can live this amazing life and be energized and and be uplifted. Um, I also want to thank all of you that continue to support Unity Online Radio. We definitely are the voice for the much-needed changing world. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Guidance and direction are bubbling up from your soul all the time, even at night. But do you hear your soul when it calls? Do you recognize it? Do you trust it? Can you trust it? How can you be certain you are hearing the voice of your precious soul? 
Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that help you hear your soul, recognize and trust its guidance, and begin to take action to create a truly beautiful life. Learn the wisdom habit of divine dialogue in Writing Down Your Soul. How to Live a Life of Integrity in Soul Vows. And discover your soul's unique purpose in Check the Box. If you long to create a soul-directed life, visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. We know that God is the source of our prosperity, but how do we manifest it in our lives? We simply change our limiting patterns around money, relationships, and health. Then, naturally, our vitality goes up, and so does our cash flow. We start to live with purpose, sharing our unique ability. Join us on Prosperity Power Hour every Monday at 1 p.m. Central Time to claim your divine inheritance. Prosperity for all. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you for being interested in the possibility of what Dr. Elaine Ferguson calls the super healing. Her book offers various types of ideas and ideals in which we can see that our body is so amazing. I mean, we have within every year a brand new body of cells. The question is, what do we affirm is going to be there and be present? Uh, Dr. Elaine, in your book, Super Healing, you talk about a 40-day action plan. What does that entail? Well, Reverend Temple, when I wrote the book, and I will say I was really inspired to do it because I had not planned to write a book, but when the idea came to me and the title was the first thing that came, I very immediately realized that it wasn't just about giving information, but to provide the reader with the opportunity, if he or she wants, desired, to be able to take an act, to take steps to improve their health and well-being. So at the end of each chapter, there is a questionnaire for the reader to answer as a part of beginning to develop the 40-day action plan, and it entails dealing with your body, mind, and spirit. And once that's completed, once the, the reader completes reading the book, then there's the 40-day action plan, which takes that information from those questionnaires so the, so the reader can develop his or her own individualized program because there's so many things that we can do now. We don't have to, there's, there's not the need for a one-size-fits-all. So 
the 40-day action plan takes you through reviewing the questionnaires and answering a few other questions about what works for you, what you want, what you're interested in, and then guides you through that, that process over 40 days. I will say this, that one of the most important fundamental aspects of the 40-day action plan, as well as the book, is self-love. We have to come to love and accept ourselves because it is so critical. Uh, it's such a critical thing to do. I mean, love literally changes and uplifts and optimizes our cellular physiology. And we spend three days in the beginning just focusing on loving ourselves. And people ask me, well, what does that mean? It means accepting yourself as you are, having appreciation and awareness of what you're thinking, feeling, and, and experiencing in the moment and giving yourself attention. So that's, that's, that's an overview of the 40-day action plan. That's beautiful. I don't know Thank if you've you. ever heard the story, but in alignment and in total validation of, of what you were saying, um, many years ago I heard a speech by uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she spoke about uh, going into a small town I'm not sure if it's Alabama or Tennessee, but anyway, she was there, and and she had a group of volunteers go into the AIDS baby ward. Yeah, it was Okay, for, there you go. See, I just knew you would know. I don't. I was like, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Well, because uh, you know all about it. But it was uh, fascinating that they proved through loving the babies with AIDS, they went into remission. Oh, yes, absolutely. Before I even talk about that, let me just say you're very tuned in. Dr. Kubler-Ross was one of my mentors from a distance. We both were at the University of Chicago, and she gave me a great testimonial from my first book, Healing, Health, and Transformation, New Frontiers in Medicine in 1990. <laughs> but. The work she did, oh my God, she it was so she was so ahead of her time in terms of you know our culture and society. But it's something that we've known as human beings since you know since time immemorial that love heals. And uh, one of when I was in, in college at, at Brown University, Reverend Temple, I remember in a child psychology class learning about babies and orphanages that even though they're fed properly and nourished, they literally die from not being touched and given love. And we know the same is true of, of monkeys. And there was a really remarkable study that was conducted at Ohio State. I believe it was in the late 80s, early 90s, where a group of uh, rabbits were given a very high cholesterol diet and because they were being tested for a new cholesterol-lowering drug. And when these animals were sacrificed, a certain number of them had absolutely no signs of heart disease. And the researchers couldn't figure out why because they were from the same, you know, type of animals. They weren't genetically different. They knew the drug wasn't quite that good. So they went back into the lab to find out what happened to these animals that protected them or prevented them from developing heart disease when they should have, you know, eating this high-fat, high, you know, high cholesterol diet, and what they found was that the laboratory technician, who was short, took out the animals from the lower rung. There were three rungs of cages. She took out the ones on the lower rung and petted them as she fed them. Well, of course, no good scientist wants to believe that to be true. So they repeated the study three times and got the same results that actually love heals and prevents the development of heart disease. Oh, my gosh. 
I love that. That is an awesome story. That yeah, is so and there was a, profound. There was another um, study similarly in humans. Um, it was conducted in a town called Rosetto, Pennsylvania, over 30 years. And what was found, a doctor in this town found that the people had a very low incidence of heart disease back in the 1960s. And they were doing all the wrong things. They were eating a high-cholesterol diet. They were smoking. They weren't exercising. And researchers came in to find out, well, what is protecting them? Of course, we would think that it's something genetic, but these were primarily Italian-Americans, first and second generation, and people in the towns nearby were from the same regions in Italy, so that wasn't it. But what they found, quite interestingly, is that this particular town had a very deep sense of community connection and family connection, and the grandparents still lived with their children and grandchildren. The people in the community, despite different socioeconomic status, tended to live similarly and interact with each other, wear the same type of clothing. So there was a a sense of community. And the researchers concluded that as they became more Americanized, this protection would go away, and they returned in the 70s, and that's exactly what they found, that the incidence of heart disease was approximating that of what was occurring nationally. And then in the 80s, they returned, thinking that, well, now that this cholesterol education is going on, maybe there's a decrease in the incidence as it was occurring nationally. And what they found, the opposite was going on. And the cause they believed was that the people were becoming more isolated. They were doing the right things. They were exercising, eating better. But they had a sense of isolation, and the nuclear family had taken over, and they were no longer protected from heart disease. Isn't it amazing? It is absolutely, absolutely fascinating. No no doubt about it. It's just, it's incredible what we have discovered. And, you know, what we, what we know is, is there and available. And, you know, something as um, the simplistic story of Myrtle Fillmore, which created a whole movement called Unity to, you know, the work that you're doing out there and, and what, what is out there and available to people. If we can, if we can just continue enough like the hundredth monkey theory to get people to wake up enough to stop being robotic and go, oh, this is what they said. Oh, okay. So therefore I have to take this and that and that. And, you know, one of the things, of course, that we're facing now is there's so much money in um in pharmaceuticals and i'm i'm like a lot of people i don't and i'm sure you're like this too dr elaine it's i'm not an absolutist i'm like both and and i do yeah. know i do know and i believe that there's times you know to go to doctors there's times where pharmaceuticals if you believe that they work uh yeah then then go for it but the problem is is that people are doing it without thinking I, I was thinking the other day as i'm driving up to walgreens gosh do you realize that if you get a flu shot at walgreens you get the best parking lot <laughs> spaces you get wow. front row parking um wow how did that happen 
And, yeah. and isn't that a strategy? Get your flu shot. And then I was shopping in the store and over the intercom, customers, while you're here, um, looking at all the things that you might be buying today, please take the time to come by this aisle and get your flu shot today. It's not only necessary, it's essential. And, you know, and something could happen to you if you don't have your flu shot. And I just, you know, I just kind of like lost it. Like I went yeah. into s- spiritual neurosis and I went, <laughs> I, like that. Yeah. I threw my arms up. I mean, people looked at me like, oh no, who is this? And I went, are you kidding me? Is this what we've come to? That we're just, like, now we're getting the data, we're programmed while we're in the store. It's just, it's it's got to stop. It's got to stop. And there are many people, many people meaning three that I know, that were were healthy and uh, took the flu shot, and, and they're not here on this plane. So it's not for everyone. I think that's the problem with with what, uh, and I love the work so much that you're doing because none of this, even a truth, is not a one-size-fits-all. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are forces in the pharmaceutical industry that's really shaped modern medicine, quite honestly. Most people don't know that in the 1800s, there were a wide variety of medical schools in the United States. There were homeopathy schools, there were natural, you know, herbal schools. There were so many different approaches, and in the early 1900s, all those schools were basically shut down due to the power that people had uh, and influence they had over over medical education, and that's when the allopathic uh, approach took hold. So definitely, we you know we've had that tradition in this country as as it's occurred throughout the world. But the good thing I will say, Reverend Temple, is that this whole movement of alternative holistic approaches is has been very much consumer driven and you're not going to hear that on the news either but that is the truth the research has shown that since the 1960s especially since the 1970s people have become much more aware of their health and well-being and they've become much more proactive people are taking vitamins they're you know participating in yoga yoga and tai chi are basically mainstream in America today and you know just people are meditating much more and I agree with you there's so a lot more work to do but I have been very impressed by the receptivity of people today compared to 1980 and the 80s when I was first getting started people are much more open to the possibility of doing things to improve their health and well-being in addition to seeing their physicians and a lot of people don't want to take the drugs. I mean, first of all, health care is so exceedingly expensive in this country because it's so technologically oriented. And we can do simple things. We know this from the research, just teaching people how to meditate, teaching people journaling, we found, just writing about emotional issues for six weeks, 30 minutes a day, lowers one's likelihood or reduces the need to go to doctors. So we know these things can happen, uh, are available. And I think it it is happening slowly but surely. That is is my sense and that is certainly my faith and my hope that it it will continue. And I I do believe that it will. Yeah. Uh, Well, and we know part of the reason is because people – uh, like us are are being bold and brave and speaking out and speaking up because we need to. 
Yeah, you know, absolutely. we 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 really we really need to. Um, when you talk about the uh, optimal health and ways that people can thrive, um, often I I look at my own health and. And I, I make distinctions like, am I the, the wilting plant or the thriving plant? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, okay, what do I need to do more of to become the thriving plant, which is natural? The wilting one is not natural <laughs> because in nature, it's our nature. It's natural for us to thrive. Um, yeah. Are there certain practices that, that you do? <laughs> Uh, and and some of them, which I'm sure you mentioned in Super Healing, uh, that support uh, that thriving aspect of who we are. Oh, absolutely! <coughs> Excuse me, absolutely, Reverend Temple. I share in Super Healing the fact that when our body, mind, and spirit are in alignment, we are in a state of optimal health and well-being, or we have created the condition to express optimal health and well-being, regardless of what has gone on prior to that time. But what does that look like? What is that what does super healing mean in terms of engaging the mind, body and spirit? As I said, it's different for each person and we get to choose, but let's talk about spirit. We know that when we engage our spirit through spiritual practices, through prayer, meditation, through giving love to other people, volunteering through our creativity, expressing it through, you know, a, a numerous means and avenues, through painting, through knitting, through, you know, reading a book, through writing, you know, whatever is appropriate for the person, that helps our health. In terms of looking at the mind, we know that the vast majority of chronic diseases are have a significant stress component. 95, 90 to 95% of all doctor's visits are stress-related and that the stress is not adequately addressed. So we have to take charge of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions instead of letting them run us. And that's, that, it, that requires becoming aware, becoming centered, and knowing that we can change the way we think and feel, and that will change our physiology. And sometimes you can't do it through affirmations because it's so overwhelming. So meditating can help. Prayer can help. And then in terms of the physical, it's not just about eating right and exercising. It's about our relationship with nature, our relationship with other people. So there's so many things that we can do. And that's why I wrote the book the way I did, and that's why I said it before. It's up to the individual to select what is most appropriate for her or him because therein lies the key to your health and well-being. I can only be the guide and give you the tools and techniques and hopefully inspire you to take action, but you've got to want it, you know, because nobody can give it to you but yourself. It's not in a pill, and it's not at the doctor's office. And in in the natural flow of life, I mean, I've always found it fascinating to see, you know, certain things going on with my body and then just paying attention to somebody that I'm talking to or the next person I go visit, you know, something will happen that it like it's the information that I need. So mm-hmm. it's it's like you're saying, it's always there for our taking. It's yeah. our having the eyes to see and the ears to hear it that it's right before us and it's right in front of us well this is as i knew this hour would go by so quickly um <laughs> i want to remind everybody to go to your website dr elaine.com and to share with people 
this wonderful interview today so that more people can be aware. Or I know that many of you are out there going, now this is what I've been telling my family all along. Well, you know, I think Dr. Elaine will agree with me. Often our families and the people that are closest to us, well, that prophet is just not recognized among her own. So take advantage of sharing with people this interview because they'll go, they often will hear it through the voice of someone else. I'm Temple Hayes, and I want to thank all of you that visit us at unitycampus.org. We are a unity community that our videos and our live stream are featured throughout the world. We'll be right back after this short message. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. The Great Forgetting. That's what some call this time in which we are living. It is a time when we have become so youth-obsessed and age-averse that the wisdom and experience of our elders is being marginalized and in too many cases lost. Each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Time, George and Sedina Capanelli, co-founders of Age Nation and co-authors of the award-winning Do Not Go Quietly, talk with some of the leading wisdom keepers of our time about how we can use this precious gift called our lives to create a more sane, sustainable, conscious, and loving world. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central on Do Not Go Quietly, conversations with the wisdom keepers, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone, and what an engaging conversation to talk about a body that is natural, to be healthy, to be innately listening to what one knows, what to do when they need to know it, and how we can be thriving, how we can really um, be ageless spirits. And uh, Dr. Elaine Ferguson is with me today, and she is the author of the book Super Healing, uh, international bestseller, Engaging Your Mind, Body, and Spirit. 
to create optimal health and well-being. And uh, Dr. Elaine, one of the things that that I realized on my own life path is there's three things that I really need to leave out of my regular uh, life, and that is sugar, wheat, and dairy. I have found for the optimal, I'm soaring, I am energetic, you can't ever tell my age uh, by how I show up, is because I I don't do those three things. Um, Talk about that from your perspective. Uh, I've often heard um, some uh, medical people share with us that uh, wheat and dairy are two of the worst things that have ever been over-commercialized and saturated in our society. Do you have that kind of feeling about that, or where do you sit with that? Well, Reverend Temple, I, I tend to agree to a certain extent related to dairy. I'll talk about that last. Wheat definitely and sugar, absolutely. Wheat, we know, it's not the wheat that was grown even 50 years ago. It's been so hybridized and altered genetically, even before there was genetic modification, but by growing, it has so much more gluten in it now. And we know that gluten, which is a protein, is causes significant reactions in our bodies. When I was in medical school, I was taught that a gluten sensitivity caused uh, celiac disease, and that was it. Also, I learned that schizophrenics had a higher incidence of celiac disease, and when they were taken off the wheat, their symptoms improved. But we know now, based on the research, is that you don't even have to have the symptoms, the intestinal tract symptoms of celiac disease, to react to gluten. And most people, I think the last time I looked, which was just a few weeks ago, I saw a report that indicated that about 75 to 80% of the population has some form of gluten sensitivity. And it causes all kinds of symptoms, can contribute to depression, uh, arthritis, all kinds of, it contributes to inflammation in our body in a variety of ways. So I think that uh, avoiding wheat is very important. Sugar, the same thing. Sugar, we're eating hundreds of pounds of sugar a year. The the incidence of, or the consumption of sugar has dramatically increased over the last 50 years in the United States and in, in the rest of the Western world as well, and it causes a lot of uh, inflammation, we know, and it makes you fat. It's not the fat that makes you fat. It's sugar, and uh, we, we just know that that's why we have this outbreak of diabetes that was almost non-existent or, or had a much lower incidence only 30 years ago. I remember I saw my first case of, I had a kid, he was about 17 years old, about 10, about 12 years ago. And long story short, he had these very unusual symptoms. He felt tired. He didn't, couldn't sleep. He didn't have the classic signs of diabetes, so I just did a, a chem screen on him, and his sugar was over 250. Uh, 250 wow. is to be a medical emergency. He had adult onset diabetes at 17. I was blown away. And I had never seen anyone under 45, honestly, with it. But that was the beginning of, of this epidemic we're seeing because of, the, of our food supply. And high fructose, high fructose corn syrup has not helped. 
because the body, contrary to what the sugar and, or the corn syrup producers would have you believe, fructose is processed quite differently in the body, and it contributes uh, at a much higher rate to the development of, of diabetes. So those things I think should be avoided, as well as soy. Soy is not a health food. I didn't know that for a long time because I was a vegetarian and it was my primary source of a protein, but it has contained so many toxic chemicals in the soybean that disrupts our health, it disrupts the thyroid, it disrupts our endocrine system because we get too much estrogen and it, it has contains uh, chemicals that prevent the absorption of minerals. So soy is not a health food at all. People should eat it really in limited amounts and primarily they should eat um, the type that has been, um, I'm missing the word right now because I haven't eaten myself today, but it's the type of like soy sauces and others that have been additionally processed. Fermented, that's the word I was looking for, fermented. Now, now regarding dairy, I think the issue with dairy is the way that it's processed because we know that raw milk, even though it has a bad rep, can be very healthy, but dairy as it's processed today is not good, especially because it contains the recombinant growth hormone that the cows are given and that affects those who consume it. It makes you much more uh, at greater risk for developing cancer. That's really not known among people, but it's in all of the, the non-organic uh, dairy products. So that's a real issue as far as I'm concerned. Um, with dairy at this point is the RBGH and the fact that it's pasteurized. So those, those in a nutshell, are my views on, on your question. Well, um, with your approaching the body and the, and the mind and, you know, the balance of all that, and it's a balance, that's for sure. Um, what does a, 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 when you think of uh, being vegetarian, what are some of the highlights of what people can actually eat? Well, you know, I, I think we need to eat like a rainbow. Whatever has a lot of color, different colors, the vegetables and the fruits, the berries, seeds, the, the greens, leafy greens such as kale, collards, and spinach are great. Lentils, uh, the beans are, are outstanding. Garlic and onions are good. Uh, fruit, you know, we shouldn't eat too much fruit uh, in light of all the other sugar that we're getting, but fruits are very good. As I said, I love berries, blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries. They're just outstanding. And um, eating healthy fats, avocados, coconuts, all those things are really good for for healthy living. Well, let me say one thing, um, Reverend Temple, and I tell people this. Whatever you eat, if you eat it happy, your body will process it quite differently. A lot of the digestive issues that we're having with our foods is because we're normally eating them when we're stressed. We know we have a totally different physiology and a totally different digestion when we are eating food happy, even food that probably, you know, we shouldn't eat in great amounts, such as going back to the Rosetto, you know, the, the Rosetto study where the people were eating the wrong things, but they were happy and they were loving, and it wasn't affecting them adversely. Mm-hmm. So that's why I tell people we have to have that hamburger. <laughs> Either when you're happy, you know, and it does make a difference. That's right. We bless you and we see you in your wholeness, no doubt about it. (laughs) Absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, in our um, in our three minutes we have left, uh, Doctor Elaine, um, talk to us about a highlight or two from your book. As I remind people to go to Doctor Elaine D R Elaine dot com for her book Super Healing, and to participate, sign up for her blog. And to continue to get this wonderful information, we see you making a new decision right here and right now about the possibilities of your life. Yes. Well, it's hard, it's hard for me to talk about highlights because I love so much of the book. <laughs> um, sure. It's so hard. Um, but I will say that one of the things that I found to be a most profound approach to health and well-being is meditation. I tell people if if it was a drug, we, it would be the bestseller. That and exercise, although that's a little bit different, difficult. And recently, there was a report in the Washington Post about the, the dangers of the sedentary lifestyle, which I cover in my book. Because we don't, even if we exercise, we still don't move enough because many of us have desk jobs and we're just not moving. But the interesting thing, and this is what I recommend to people, if you can't move, meditate because we know that people meditate for hours at a time and they don't, their health improves compared to being sedentary and just sitting in stress or watch or vegging out. If we are present through meditation, it totally changes our physiology. So I think one of the best things we can do is to meditate. It is just so remarkable what stopping, closing our eyes, taking a few deep breaths and just being silent does for our physiology. It's absolutely amazing. It helps to prevent heart attacks, diabetes. It stops the stress response. It improves our brain function. It actually helps to protect us from developing Alzheimer's or, or losing our memory, what we call age-related, age-related cognitive decline. It improves our blood pressure. It strengthens our muscles, our bones. It just does so many wonderful things for us, and it doesn't matter what type of meditation you do. I know there are different schools of thought, but the research has clearly shown that whatever type of meditation you use, it is very helpful to one physiologically. And if you couple it with a spiritual practice, it's even more potent. So that's, I think, one of the most important highlights I would like to share with your, your audience, that just, just, just breathe and meditate, and it will improve your health significantly. Well, it's truly been a pleasure to have you. I look forward. I, I feel like this is the beginning of the road for us. Not the one time uh, on you. the journey. And I, I welcome that greatly. And I definitely see you already being at Unity Campus because I would love to have you there. And you would be just a tremendous uh, success And because so many of us are already um, into, not perfected, but definitely aware of your work as well as into some of the... Uh, benefits of it. So I want to thank you, Dr. Elaine Ferguson, for being with us today as we've talked about the intentional spirit and um, many, many blessings with your with your book and all the things that are yet to come into your life. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me and likewise to you. I wish you nothing but God's blessings. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, 
with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order, through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast... 
We'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.